This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Now, spreading freedom across the nation, this is The Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome back to the Freedom Hut. 888-900-3393. Phone lines are open. Got any thoughts on this Trump stuff? Or do you have any suggested segments or anything you want me to do the next time we have a Facebook Live? which I think we're going to do next Tuesday at 3 Eastern. That might become Facebook Live Day. Yay! What's up? I'm sorry. Oh, we have Darby in Texas on the line. Let's take him. Darby, what's up? Hey, Buck. How you doing, my friend? I uh, just wanted to test the right, Trump thing really quick. Um, as a as a, a Southern white male, I guess I would be, uh, according to the left, I'd be a typical Trump supporter. Although, as a registered nurse, I'm not you, an editor. You frighten Think Progress editors. They're, they're right, actually scared right. of you, Darby. You should be aware right. of that. So yeah, try, and, try and not to I make say, any, fa- any quick hand gestures or anything. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, as a, as, a, as a registered nurse, I am not uneducated. I'm also married to a black woman. So I'm not sure that uh, that kind of throws them all up in the air. But I will say, and I think I can speak for the vast majority of Trump supporters on this, even if this information were true, which I don't believe that it is. But let's say for argument's sake that it is. And I hate well, wait, wait, which friends. part of it? Which part of it? I mean, without the getting whole, too graphic here. What? The whole prostitution thing. The, uh, the Okay, okay. Because there's also the his his people meeting with their people. But go ahead. Ah, yeah, and, and to be honest, uh, that, and that's actually involved with the whole thing too. But as far as his what he does in his spare time, it's really none of my business, none of anybody else's business either. Not to mention the fact that we all know what Bill Clinton did inside the Oval Office. So I hate to use this phrase because Hillary Clinton ruined it for us, but – what difference at this point does it make? So I'll throw it back to you, buddy. Tell me what you think. What you mean? Why? What does the left think is going to happen if they can take Trump down? Well, I mean, even if, I just I don't think they'll be able to take him down. And even if they do, like you said, Mike Pence is going to be the president. So then what have they? Yeah, done? of course, so nothing. So this is this is why there, there's an element of a of an irrational, childish tantrum to a lot of this because exactly. clearly. They're not bringing all this information out there for no purpose at all. There's a very uh, concerted effort underway to make Trump an illegitimate president, to try to find something that will devastate his presidency and perhaps even shame Republicans into agreeing to remove him from office uh, through impeachment proceedings. I mean, he hasn't even been sworn in yet, and they're trying to do this. What I find, look, that would have very, that would have very, damaging implications for the Republican Party. But Mike Pence, I mean, the one thing about having Mike Pence as your VP is I want to see the oppo file on Mike Pence. It's going to be like he was five minutes late for church once last year. And I I heard he 
didn't give his son sprinkles on you know on his ice cream Sunday the last time they went to the park together. So I mean, it's gonna be the most fantastically wonderfully boring oppo file in the history of any politician. Uh, so even if they were able to take the Trump uh, presidency down, it would just be Trump. It wouldn't be control of the House, the Senate, or even the presidency. It, let's say Pence went along. Let's, let's say Pence actually speaks in a Russian accent when no one's around and, and is a GRU operative or an FSB operative. Uh, guess what? Paul Ryan gets to be the president. And, look, and the exactly. file on him is going to be that, you know, he said, gee, gosh, darn a few too many times. I mean, so what do they really think they're going to accomplish here? But it's that's a very important point, I think, Darby. It's that they hate Trump. It's not that there's some grand plan. They don't have some strategy to get Hillary back into power because there's there's just no pathway that doesn't exist. Short of a, of a coup, you're not going to have a Democrat as president in the next four years. Not going to happen. So then why is it so obvious that they're trying to just do everything they can, not just to thwart Trump's agenda, but to delegitimize him as president? And I, including at the expense of their own credibility, by the way, people say, oh, look, what Obama and the birther thing. First of all, the birther movement was never mainstream in the Republican Party. And I, I do take Schindler's point, uh, John Schindler from last hour. Uh, I, I, I agree with him that Obama realized that this was something that to keep it actually alive as an issue was helpful to him because for most reasonable people, it was uh, it delegitimized the anti Obama policy resistance because oh you're probably one of those racist birther types or something right sure. so and eventually he right. did release the birth certificate. why not do it day one so the, the trump hatred though is so blinding that organizations like buzzfeed keep in mind the new york times refused to print this thing because they're like we can't verify any of this i mean th this would and be like if somebody mailed in if somebody mailed in to the wall street journal hey i've got a you know uh, video of Bill Clinton doing all this horrible legal stuff, and it was signed "Super Sketchy Spy Guy," and they printed it. I mean, that's a set, right. that's more or less what's happened here. And BuzzFeed has done this, and other news sites have all sort of run on. Well, BuzzFeed released it. This is an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment, and it helps Trump. I've I've formulated a new theory in the in the last couple of months about the political left in this country. It seems to me a collective case of arrested development. They are all, or they all seem to me at least, to just be juvenile. And their only response when they don't get their way is to stomp their feet and whine and cry. And that's basically what they have, and that's all they've got. But I think you're of your excellent point. If the New York Times decides to pass on an opportunity to vilify Trump, that should probably be your indication that it's not such a great idea. Remember, Darby, Shields High, man, great to hear from you in Texas. Thank you for Thanks, the call. Uh, the New York Times ran when McCain was running against Obama, ran a an unsourced hit piece on McCain on the front page that alluded to an affair. So the New York Times is willing to is willing to play dirty, but they also realize that if you're going to be an effective partisan, you have to have some credibility, right? This is why most propaganda is based in some or even a majority of fact, but then there are other things added into it perhaps uh, to, although not always, there are other things that can be added into it to shape perception a certain way. But it's not effective to have propaganda that on its face is obviously fake. Not effective. And if the purpose of it is to bring people to a certain conclusion, efficacy matters. <sighs> but, you know, I think that with a lot of journalists, 
the problem they're having now is they've really enjoyed being in cheerleader mode for Obama for eight years. And we're going to talk about Obama's last speech, last uh, rhetorical hurrah last night. I watched the whole thing. <sighs> These are the things I do for you, team. It's to stay, it's to stay abreast of current events. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute here. But I think the journalists have gotten so used to rooting for Obama, knowing that that's career-enhancing, knowing that it's virtue signaling, that good people root for Obama, that all other journalists are going to have their back, that they can be wrong, that they can be sycophantic, that they can be throne shiners. But as long as it's helping Obama, it will benefit them personally, professionally, and in every sense. Now against Trump, and, and also, I should note, they have had a lot of access. I mean, that guy Ezra Klein, he's, a, he's my age, uh, was a blogger, picked up the Washington Post, and we have one-on-one -on -one meetings with the president. What? Why? Who listens to Ezra Klein? People, I, I suppose people do. Uh, but they've had tremendous access for the last eight years. That's gone now. They're not going to get the sweetheart meeting set up. They're not going to get the, the backroom uh, heads up so they can get a, a, a lead or they can get an exclusive. There's a new sheriff in town, and they don't like it. And doing opposition research and doing opposition work against that sheriff is going to require them to have to make real arguments and expose what their information is and know that there's going to be pushback, that the apparatus, at least the apparatus of government, is not entirely going to be an echo chamber for them. And I think they're annoyed by this. I believe that they are angry on a professional level as well as on an emotional level because their preferred candidate, Hillary Clinton, lost. So that's influencing the decision-making processes here. It's, it's like I, I say to you, there's climate change is one of the very few... Um, gosh, so many. I wrote on CNN.com last night. I'm getting so many mean tweets and emails because I said Obama was divisive uh, and has been and always will be. And that's just who he is. And he even said Obama himself said that one of his regrets in his speech is that he's divisive. And I'm saying, yeah, he's still divisive. He didn't say, you know, I've learned a lesson here. Or I wish I had I wish I had done this differently. The only thing he said he wish he had done differently was being less divisive. OK, well, that's great. But I'm just getting people writing these. Who who writes mean emails to somebody who writes a column that is sort of standard? I, I sort of uh, nah, no sort of. Uh, I'm underselling my my own analysis here, but it wasn't exactly. It wasn't lighting the world on fire. I just gave my quick reaction to Obama's speech last night, which was boilerplate, pablum, not not a lot of substance. And it took some annoying cheap shots at the other side, particularly on climate change, which is, I think, the place where Obama feels his legacy as a progressive is weakest. because He wasn't able to get any real legislation through on climate change, only through executive orders that can be undone. You know, EPA, again, new sheriff in town for the EPA. And that agreement, that international agreement is a joke. Self-enforcing. This is like telling somebody they're going to be on a diet. But they get to eat whatever they want, and then they get to just guess what they get to tell us what their weight is, and we get to see what the weight loss is. Well, that's not really an effective way of doing it. Anyway, but if people write all these mean emails. What a loser thing to do. I really don't know how else to say it. Those, I've never once in my life, and I'm not somebody who 
studied journalism in journalism school and everything. Although being an intelligence officer is probably better training for journalism than anything else you can possibly do, to be totally frank. Uh, although I'll still be Buck. Wah, wah. The idea of writing a mean email or tweet to somebody has just never, it's never even occurred to me to pick a fight with somebody. Not even pick a fight over substance. That I'm okay with. But you just write an email to somebody, you know, you're, you're stupid and you're ugly, you know, or something like that. I just, I get this stuff. Why? Because I think that Obama's divisive. He says he's divisive. This is not, this is not controversial. This is obvious. But, oh, the Obama worship continues on. All right. Uh, 888-900-3393. We'll talk a little bit about the speech last night and more. Team, we'll be right back. The Buck Sexton Show. Discover more at theblaze.com slash radio. The Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show. Got Tobin in Ohio on the line. Tobin on the Buck Sexton Show. Welcome. Yeah, um, I, I, I just wanted to know what you think of this. The, 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 his Donald Trump's need or want to survive, even if it means everybody else has to fail, kind of attitude. Um, I just I worry about his 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 need to succeed. It seems overwhelming to the point where he does and says things that might hurt America, might hurt the country at large. What do you think of that? Well, I'm sorry. Who who wants to hurt America and the country at large? No, no, no. I was just want. I, I was just no. I mean, the country at large. I mean, his Donald Trump has this need to survive, and he he tends to lash out. As he did in this interview, the uh, the interview was it yesterday or today, where this interview was this long interview where it didn't seem to go anywhere, and it was actually a bit like my call now. Now that I'm thinking about it, but but you know what I mean. Whereas he he seems to just want to lash out, and I I worry about that in an expressive way in his express when he expresses his form of government. I worry about how that would react with America. Um, okay. Sure. Well, no, I, uh, yeah. I worry that it might damage us. That you know that his lashing out, that his demanding to succeed at all costs. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm Tobin. Sorry. No, fair enough, man. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it, and uh, I wanted to give you your say. So there you go. Thanks for calling in. A sponsor this Thank half you. hour is silencershop.com. I was talking about this yesterday. A silencer makes the whole experience of shooting much more enjoyable. It's definitely the way to go if you can get one. And guess what? If you want one, the best place to go 
is silencershop.com. They have all the latest brands. They've got a fantastic uh, staff that will help you and make sure you work through the process properly and quickly. They submit more forms to get a silencer than anybody else in the country by a huge margin. You know, hunters often go without hearing protection because it's not fun to walk around for hours at a time looking for whatever you're out in the field going after. Uh, it's not fun to have big headphones on. So a silencer from silencershop.com provides hearing protection without being uncomfortable or impacting your outdoor experience. So check it out, team. Silencershop.com. Again, that is silencershop.com. Help make the world a quieter place. So Obama's speech last night. First of all, uh, a, a very annoying moment. Uh, look, you could expect this kind of stuff. It was really a last, it was a last victory lap for Obama in front of the faithful. He did it in Chicago, which is of interest to me because Chicago is in really bad shape. Uh, but he did it there, and this this is now the, the, the base of his political power. Of course, he's going to live in D.C., isn't he? Well, at least until the girls finish school, maybe. I guess that's an understandable reason if that's what it is. Uh, but he spoke about these things, and they started chanting, four more years. Play the clip. I can't do that. <laughs> They're yelling, four now, more years. So... You get a sense of it. Uh, and, yeah, four more years. That's what they That's what they are hoping for. Um, Obama also gave a lot of the boilerplate you could expect. He's his final, he gave his final yes, we can. Play that, too. I'm asking you to hold fast to that faith written into our founding documents, that idea whispered by slaves and abolitionists, that spirit sung by immigrants and homesteaders and those who march for justice. That creed reaffirmed by those who planted flags from foreign battlefields to the surface of the moon. A creed at the core of every American whose story is not yet written. Yes, we can. Yes, we did. Yes, we can. Thank you. God bless you. May God continue to bless the United States of America. I am asking. Yeah, so that's Obama's version of it. Well, he gave his version of events last night. Talked a bit about some of the uh, successes he believes he's had under his uh, during his time in office. Also spoke a lot about how the world is changing. I, I checked the change, I think, was used over 20 times in the speech. No surprise there. Uh, not a lot that was said that was of interest. The parts about climate change. I found to be just deeply uh, condescending and, and really disingenuous to the other side. This is not a president that at any point in time made a meaningful gesture to the other side of the aisle. This is not a president who at any point in time was willing to be generous to his political opponents or, or even uh, open-minded to them. He had his ideas on all matter of policy issues, and he was a hardliner on them uh, to the degree that he even popularized the notion that Congress won't do something, so the president should. Really dangerous, anti-constitutional, anti-separation of powers stuff from the commander-in-chief. That is a, a an essential, that is a central part of Obama's legacy. So as we look at all this stuff, as we look at what's going on, 
uh, right now, now as he's ready to leave office, you can see that the fights already over his legacy are underway. Um, and the in- most interesting legacy from my perspective that Obama leaves is that his hyper-partisan attitude towards the other side has resulted in what will be an absolute reckoning for the Democrats. Uh, Assuming Trump goes ahead with what he plans to do and the Republicans hold the line, they're going to be sitting on the other side of the table now. And just the elimination of the filibuster, for example, there are so many things where Democrats were warned, wait until the shoe's on the other foot. Well, now it is. And Obama played a big role in hardening those polarizations. More coming. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Radio Network. I, I wanted to play this for you guys. I know we talked about in the last hour the Trump press conference from this morning. There's a great exchange, though, between Trump and, and CNN. Now, CNN uh, reported that the intel chiefs told Trump about this rumor intelligence report that was out there, this rumint, uh, unsubstantiated, unverified information. Uh, also, the initial uh, fact-checking of it has run into some very big problems. Uh, Michael Cohen uh, was in, this has been verified by some USC officials when they, when he was supposed to be in Prague, it's not believed he was in California visiting USC with his son. Uh, It is not the case that he was in Prague and they're thinking it was another Michael Cohen who may have been in Prague. It's the whole thing's falling apart really fast. And that Intel chiefs may have brought this to Trump's attention is not verification of it as a report. It's not saying this is it's not saying this is real stuff. You got to know about this. It may be it may very well have been a conversation, although I'm also seeing people say that this was never briefed to him. But we'll we'll find out or hopefully we'll find out. Uh, there's also information out there that uh, or rather this, this also could be just letting him know that this is out there. So FYI, President-elect, there's this smear campaign, this disinformation that's currently out there. And, yeah, uh, you should be aware of it. That's all. Doesn't mean that it's real. Uh, See, Look, the report, the Intel Community Report, did a whole thing on Russia Today. It's not that Russia Today is some kind of national security threat or something. They're just letting people know, look, there's this Kremlin-funded... Uh, cable news outfit that's running Russian propaganda, FYI. So there, there's a lot of stuff that they cover. Intelligence community has a whole open source, has whole open source centers. All they do, they they actually pay people to go through newspapers and figure out what's already out there and whether that has an impact on intelligence and intelligence assessments around the world. But Trump really was putting on a show this morning in the press conference, and uh, Jim Acosta, who's one of the CNN political reporters uh, he he really had a had quite a feisty back and forth with trump i want to play it for you let it rip please brings his passport to my office 
I say, hey, wait a minute, he didn't leave the country. He wasn't out of the country. They had Michael Cohn of the Trump Organization was in Prague. It turned out to be a different Michael Cohn. It's a disgrace what took place. It's a disgrace. And I think they ought to apologize to start with Michael Cohn. Since you're attacking us, can you give us a question? Since you're, no, Mr. President-elect, President since, since you are attacking us. our news no, organization, you, can you. you give us a chance? Your organization You are attacking our news organization. Can you give us a chance to ask a question, sir? Go ahead. Sir, can Quiet. you state, Mr. President-elect, can you state categorically, Mr. President-elect, can you give us a question? Don't be rude. You're attacking us. Can you give us a question? Don't be rude. No, I'm not going to give you a question. I'm not going to give you a question. No, Mr. President-elect, that's not appropriate. Obama went too far with the sanctions he put on Russia after the hacking. Do you think they're disproportionate? I don't think went too far. And what, no. Will you roll them back? No. And what do you think of Lindsey Graham? I don't say. He calls he calls CNN fake news. Uh, let him have it. Let him have it at the press conference. Like I said, this does play. If you're somebody who's really anti-Trump, this whole thing really does play into Trump's hands because this is just indefensible. That that BuzzFeed and other. Other news sources kind of went off the BuzzFeed release of this as though that somehow gave it credibility. It just goes to show you there there is a it's a Trump derangement syndrome. I mean, it's the Trump scare. It's anything to take this guy down is what we're going to do, including releasing a report that made for entertaining reading in some parts. I mean, in terms of how creative it was and and weird and crazy is some of it read like bad spy novel stuff. It's 35 pages long, and it's out there. So I just, yeah, that, that back and forth. It's going to be a very interesting, very interesting few years here with uh, President Trump. That much I can promise you. Uh, 888-900-3393. Rex Tillerson is uh, in front of the Senate doing hearings today, or there's a hearing today with Rex Tillerson. We're going to hit that and much more coming up, team. I'll be right back. Buck Sexton. Buck Sexton. Dispensing the truth on the Blaze Radio Network. We're joined now by Heather Wilhelm. She is a National Review columnist and a senior contributor for The Federalist. You can go to her site, heatherwilhelm.com. Heather, Happy New Year. Great to have you. First time in the Freedom Hut 2017. Absolutely. How are you doing, Buck? I'm good, thank you. All right, I want to give you the, I want to give you the floor. What's, what's uh, of interest to you today with this whole Trump situation? Or do you have non-Trump things on your mind? <laughs> I had kind of a hilarious morning because I was... Uh, sitting in line to register my son for daycare, which is a crazy situation. The first person gets the first choice, so imagine a bunch of frantic moms lining up. And I was surreptitiously watching Trump's press conference while in line, <laughs> which was a little awkward. Um, talk about fireworks, right? I think everyone expected it to be pretty exciting, and it certainly delivered. Um, you know, the, this whole thing... Uh, with BuzzFeed, CNN, uh, I expect it to continue on, to unfold over the next couple of days. But, man, what a mess, right? Giant mess. Uh, yeah. r- r- ridiculous stuff going on here. I'm, 
I'm not somebody who who has ever been a a a fan, a reader, or or had much respect for what goes on from a news sense, at least over at BuzzFeed. They do have fun listicles, and the cat videos are great. And if I <laughs> if I want, you know, if I if I want to see a listicle that shows all the different ways that like hipster facial hair can be you know trimmed and cut and all that, BuzzFeed certainly has its uses. But to run with an unsourced account like this, that's so salacious and that's so uh, I mean, this is like people call me sometimes this has happened and I get tips about news stories or I'll get an email about a news story. And it's amazing stuff right, in terms of how just you usually either how gross or how uh, insidious or whatever. But I'm like, I can't. This is some crazy person that's that's calling him with this tip. I can't use this on air. BuzzFeed kind of went with it, and that just should be, uh, I, I think, a, a lesson maybe to much of the rest of the media that just hating Trump isn't an excuse to do anything. I don't know. Well, it's been interesting, too, to see now that uh, even CNN is pretty irritated with BuzzFeed, right? Because I think uh, it's interesting. You're right. What BuzzFeed did was incredibly irresponsible. And then you think about what that does to the standards of journalism, right? I mean, what can't you publish, right? Um, we're going to leave it up to our readers to decide whether, you know, there's a secret military base behind Mount Rushmore that's funded by, you know, you, it, it, this just blows any sort of reasonable journalistic standards out of the water. So there's that. Uh, but then also, I think this is interesting because, and you've seen this since, you know, Trump's election. These people who are just un unhinged about Trump, you know, they're freaking out about every little thing. Um, you know, if he goes after Vanity Fair magazine, it's the end of the press, right? We're going to lock up all journalists. Uh, and what I've been saying, you know, look, it's really important for the press to hold the president accountable. But we're just watching these outlets blow themselves up one by one. Who's going to take them seriously when there actually is an issue, right? So um, I think it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for BuzzFeed. But I think it also, I mean, no wonder people don't trust the media, right? It's, it's all becoming a bunch of noise. What else have you got on your mind for the incoming administration right now? Are, are you optimistic about Trump's promise today that he will repeal and almost immediately replace Obamacare, of course, with the Congress. But I'm just saying that that's the plan. Well, I, I, I think that would be marvelous if it happens. You know, uh, we'll, we'll see. You know, I think the, the Republicans have a huge responsibility here. Um, and I, I really hope that they can pull it off and get some more free market reforms. Um, I've, I've been reading some coverage of uh, real people and, and dealing with Obamacare. And it's just a disaster. Uh, so that would be a great thing. Uh, you know, in the meantime, you know, I, I, my piece today for National Review, uh, we're bracing for this women's march on, march on Washington, which is going to happen uh, the day after. It's going to be happen on the 21st. And <laughs> oh, tell me, tell day? me about this. I, I don't I don't know about this. Oh, oh, it's going to be... Woman, woman, explain to me for a minute, please. <laughs> so uh, a couple of uh, women on, on Facebook found each other after Trump's election and said, you know, what? we need to stand up for this. This is a disgrace. We need to, re we need to speak out as women. We're going to march on Washington. And uh, it has turned into a complete left-wing train wreck. Uh, it, basically, there's going to be a march on Washington. It's supposedly going to be done by women. Uh, according to their Facebook page, there's going to be around, I think, 175,000 people there. We'll see if that plays out. 
celebrities are descending upon it. Scarlett Johansson's going to be there. Even Cher's going to be there, <laughs> which should be entertaining. But if you actually look into it, A, it's very, very vague what their actual goals are. It seems to be, you know, usually your usual left-wing laundry list. Uh, but there was an interesting piece in the New York Times this week talking about how it's just devolving into a circular firing squad because they're all, it, basically it's a fight over who is the most oppressed of this group. Um, it's, it's amazing to see. So people are fighting as to, you know, whether white women should be allowed to even speak at all because 53 percent of white women voted for Donald Trump. Who's more oppressed than whom? Uh, it, it's it's really kind of a microcosm, I think, of the greater problems within the left, you know, who are it's a movement very obsessed with identity politics. And it seems that they haven't quite learned the lessons that should have come by seeing Hillary Clinton lose to Donald Trump. And so this march is going to occur. Any expectations that you have for the inauguration? Lots of protests, lots of uh, lots of uh, shenanigans, you think, from the left in D.C.? Or what's <laughs> what's the latest on that front? I think we can expect lots of shenanigans. You know, it'll be very interesting to see how this women's march uh, plays out. I'm sure it's going to get a lot of glowing press. Um, and I'm sure that the reality on the ground is going to be pretty dysfunctional. Um, you know, I kind of laughed. That I, apparently we were promised smooth sensuality with the Trump inauguration. Did you see that from one of his spokespeople? No, I did not. But, but do tell. <laughs> where, where, how does that happen? I, I'm not quite sure what that means, but they said it's going to be a very elegant affair with, quote, smooth sensuality. So I, I look forward to that, too. I, I have no idea what that means. Is that, is that, that sounds like, like how you describe things on the easy listening jazz channel, you know? <laughs> and now sit back while the saxophone covers you in smooth sensuality, you know? That's, that would work. <laughs> I saw a tweet saying, I well, you're... I hope this means that Barry White's going to be singing, you know, the national anthem. Yeah. But unfortunately for all of us, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know if you're a Ron Swanson fan, but when he's Duke Silver, he invites all the ladies in the room when he's performing saxophone to slip into a warm bath of his jazz. So maybe there'll be <laughs> some of that at the inauguration. Do you like jazz, by the way? Absolutely. Yeah, we, we, this is this is the on the fly section of, of the of the interview here, Heather, where I just start asking you random questions. Uh, do you I, like action movies? Um, I like I, I like spy movies a lot. Um, I can I, I can sit through an action movie. I'm also a big Barry White fan. I, I love Barry White uh, and I like screwball comedies. I'm not a big fan of romantic comedies. Generally, I went back and watched. Do you remember that movie Notting Hill? With Julia Roberts no, and Hugh Grant. I, I can say, after yesterday admitting that I like The Devil Wears Prada, I'm very proud today to tell my audience that I do not like, or have not seen, I should say, Notting Hill. <laughs> well, I was, I don't know. I got, I I got to... some heat for that one, by the way. I'm just saying Meryl Streep gave a good performance, everybody. Let's she... be honest about it. Oh, she, that movie was fabulous. I'm going to stand by you and support you. <laughs> See? And, Heather and says liking... it was fabulous, everybody. Absolutely. When she sort of gives that icy look and dismisses her assistant and says, that's all. I mean, I want to start doing that in real life, right? What a great move. Um, oh, but... I've had, I had some internships, including at CBS Evening News, where people treated me so badly. I was like, wow, is, is being, is being uh, treated in a subhuman form really a necessary part of my professional <laughs> training? I suppose the answer was yes, because that's what I received. I, this is a true story. I once had a boss who my, my office was conjoined to hers, and she would throw things like staplers and scissors and things out the window. If she was on the phone and needed my attention, she would throw large objects out of the door to get my attention so I would come scurrying into her office. It was amazing. 
Um, I once uh, we had a protocol at, at, at CBS Evening News when I was an intern there that you had to if somebody was on the phone and I had you know, as as an intern, I would you'd walk up and you would just put a piece of paper if there was a need for them on the desk in front of them, like you'd write a little note out. And I remember I did that exactly as instructed. You weren't supposed to tap them or anything. You're supposed to put it on their desk. And this guy who was just he was a writer in the newsroom put his call on hold to turn around and scream at the, I don't even remember what he said because his, he was so red faced, just screaming at me in front of the entire packed newsroom. I remember looking at him being like, I mean, you can fire me, but I'm, I'm here for free and I'm in high school. So <laughs> that's, you know, like that's on you. Like, I don't know what you want me to say, but yeah, it's rough, now, rough see, times. If, if he had been Meryl Streep and the devil wears Prada, he just would have delivered some icy cool line that would have, you know, frozen your soul. Right. Exactly. No need for yelling. Yeah, it wasn't even it wasn't even Dan Rather, who, by the way, this was my my introduction to uh, broadcast news was to see this guy show up every day at three thirty, spend more time in hair and makeup than he did reading through the script that was written for him, that he would sit in a chair for a total of 20 minutes and or 18 minutes, something like that for a half hour show and read and get paid seven million dollars a year. I was like, how do you get that job? I want that job. It's nice work if you can get it. It is definitely nice work. What's your next piece going to be, Heather? We got about twenty seconds. Next piece, ooh, I'm going to watch and wait. There's no, this next week is not going to be boring. So as Donald Trump would say, I'll keep you in suspense. Fantastic, Heather Wilhelm, everybody, National Review columnist, senior contributor for the Federalist. Go to heatherwilhelm.com. Heather, thank you so much. Happy 2017. Thank you. You too. Team Hour Three coming up. You're listening to Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network.